Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hoy Community Church. So glad you're here. If you're able to stand, we're going to spend some time worshiping through songs. We'll just stand there. Thank you. 
you're here, would you take a moment now, greet the community around you, make them feel welcome. Good morning, everyone. So glad that you're here. My name is Dominic Nuzio. I am the executive pastor of ministries here. And my name is Nicole Pearson. I'm a member of the board of trustees here. We'd like to extend our welcome to you. Thanks for those joining us online. Would everybody wave at the camera? There's many that can't come for various reasons, whether they're traveling or sick, and they just can join us online. So it's a wonderful time. So thanks for being with us. Whether this is your first time or 100th time with us, we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for taking a hot Sunday to come and be in church and sweat together. So if you have a bulletin, I know many of you do because you're using them as fans. Would you just fan them in the air so that we can see that you have them? Great. There's a lot of important information in that. We want to direct your attention to two quick things in there. If you open it, you'll see on the right-hand side, it'll say Connect Card. And that is for the guests and for those who call LJCC their home. It's a wonderful way for just you to take a moment, fill it out, let us know that you're here. If you're a guest, we have a special gift for you. We'd love to meet you in our Welcome Center afterwards to say hello. And on the back, you will find the prayer request form. And we encourage you, if there's anything on your heart or on your mind today and you'd like prayer for that, please don't hesitate to fill it out. It'd be an honor for us. We have about 140 people on our prayer team who will be happy to pray for you. And as well, I know our staff does that every Tuesday. So um, definitely go ahead and put that in the offering basket when it comes by. We have a beautiful new website. If you haven't checked it out yet, I encourage you to look at it. You can find about our mission and values. You can see all the things that are going on. But we want to direct your attention to two things. And the first is that the kids are going to camp. Tell us more about it. So they're going to camp. Who remembers going to camp when you were young? Yes, camp experience is amazing. It's life-changing and transformative. And so we've got all age groups going in sometimes in July and August. So go ahead, go to the website on here and you can see what age group is going at what date. And then Forest Home and Hume Lake are the two locations. So it's gonna be phenomenal. If you have questions, reach out to the staff or just log on to the website and um, sign up there. Don't miss out. And a camp for the men is coming up. It's a one day camp. Men, if you're in here, say, boo. Boo, man, boo, boo. It's too hot, you're just more going, uh, maybe that's a better noise. Men, it's a wonderful time to get to connect together over a dead animal, over a fire. It's gonna be amazing. As my old South African neighbor said, he, he invited me one day, he said, Dominique, come and have some flesh with me. And I was just like, I don't know what you're into, man, but I'm not into that. And he's like, oh, barbecue, yes. So August 8th, men's steak dinner. It's for those of you that call LJCC your home, but it's also for your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. It's a low-hanging fruit to just invite your friend over, say come and have some great food, meet some great men in all ages and stages of life, and enjoy company with each other. There's a statistic out there that came from the Surgeon Journal that said men are dying more, not because of heart disease or of diabetes or any other illness, they're passing away and they're dying because of isolation. And men, there's, you'll know if you hit 30 yet, there's this likelihood that you have only maybe one or two significant relationships by the time you hit 30. 
and maybe less than that as you age. So this is an important time to connect with men, an important time to come and gather together and make new relationships so that we change that trajectory. We wanna be a community that's welcoming. Amen, men? <laughs> Women, give that guy a nudge, mark his calendar, he's coming August 8th. Otherwise, there's more events to check out on ljcc.org, but with that, Nicole, will you pray for us? Would you all please bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this place and that you allow us to come here together freely and worship and just give you thanks for all that you do for us, Lord, for your amazing grace and love and just unconditional um, guidance and grace. So, Lord, we, we ask now that you would be with our high schoolers and their leaders who are in Guatemala. Lord, we just ask that you're keeping them safe and that you're also just there present with them and opening their eyes to how great you are and all that you can do through people who will obey you, Lord. We ask that they come back just full of fire and excited to continue uh, loving people just in your name. Lord, we um, just thank you for this community of believers. We are so thankful that this is a family, a safe place that we can connect with people in community and make those relationships that we so desperately crave, Lord. We thank you for the staff here, Lord, for all the pastors and leaders and volunteers who are just um, trying so hard to see your will be done here in La Jolla Community Church, Lord. We just pray your blessings upon them and upon their families. We pray for just refreshing them each and every day, Lord, and encouraging them in the work that they do. And we um, thank you and praise you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, how are you doing? Are you uh, into summer mode yet? Have you had a chance to get away? Are you planning a time to get away? As you heard, we have some people in Guatemala. Right now, we have uh, a number of people in Malawi. Uh, I, I got some fun emails from people around the country uh, doing some fun things to get a break around the world. And so I hope you have a time uh, this summer to do just that. So we started a summer series called Refresh, rightly so, just before the heat wave. We talked about refreshing your spirit last week. We're talking today about refreshing your story. And uh, we'll explore what that means. But to do that, I want to begin with an interview, three of the most interesting men you've ever met. So I'd like to welcome these guys up. Connor Wilson, Brian Harrison, and Rand Mulford. <clears throat> so uh, why don't you stand right in the middle there, Connor? And Well, so you guys have uh, a shared story overlapping, and I'd love to hear how you guys got connected. So, Rand, I'll start with you. How did you uh, get connected to these guys? I was invited. <laughs> I, I was sitting over there, and uh, John and Hiroko and their two sons were sitting in front of me, and God gave me a little nudge. He said, go talk to this guy. Um, well, I didn't know what to talk to him about, and he certainly didn't know what to talk to me about, so it was a very short conversation. <laughs> but uh, we persevered, and one thing led to another. I worked with, uh, with John uh, a couple of times uh, in some projects. He was working on um, building houses and doing some rehab work here in San Diego. Then uh, we went to Tijuana, and uh, there was a team of us that was working to put together a, a church that uh, Ron McMahon had been building. And then uh, a little while later, uh, 
Connor asked me to be part of a, a, a his effort to pursue U School, a, uh, an opportunity for self-development. And then finally, when this opportunity came up with Caterpillar, he said, can you coach me a little bit about the interview process and, and how to uh, pursue that as best I can? Sounds interesting. So the interview process, interviewing for what? Uh, Hawthorne and Caterpillar, Think Big program. And how long have you been preparing to do that? For about a year and a half. And what made you want to do that? Uh, I went on a tour to Miramar College and I was really interested in this field and decided that would be a really cool career for me. Did you have any idea what that meant? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you come in. So Brian, uh, how did you get connected to the story with Connor and Ren? Well, Connor found out that I've been a decent technician for 48 years and he wanted uh, to tap into what I knew. So one day I said to Connor, and at church, I said, Connor, here's a little home project for you. Since the diesel engine doesn't have any spark plugs, what ignites the fuel? <laughs> Next Sunday, Connor comes to church with the correct answer. And that impressed me. And in the meantime, Connor had bought a diesel technology because about this thick. I said, Connor, I'll buy one of those and come alongside you and we'll study it together. So almost every week for a year, we'd get together, Connor would study a, a section, and we would discuss it together. And I, Connor underlined all the main points in this context. And each section had a series of questions. And Connor would run anywhere from 90 to 100% correct on the answers. And uh, from there, it just materialized into this deal with Caterpillar. And this is not a commercial, but you know, anywhere there's a construction job in the world, Yamanaka, Siberia, Caterpillar is gonna be there. They are superior to anything else on the market. <laughs> so, so Connor, uh, it's been a year and a half and now you're coming into this interview process. What, what does that mean? What, what was the interview process about? That was, uh, that was about um, getting me into this Think Big, pro Think Big apprenticeship and that was a really tough process, but I got through it. And so you graduated from high school in this uh, last month, and when do you start your new job? Uh, I, they don't know, actually. It's just the, um, this, so the Think Big pro program just started a team membership with uh, Miramar College, and this is their first year of doing this, so they don't, actually don't know when they're starting yet. Yeah. So. You know, it's always good to start a new job with a vacation, so you're doing yeah. it right. You yeah. keep doing that your whole career. Yeah. So, okay, you guys have got brought you together around uh, Connor's desire to do this. And, and so it's his story. He's done all the hard work, heavy lifting, but you guys have made that possible for him. So what is your takeaway in terms of what this story has meant for you? It's all your story. Each of you have your own version of it. So how has this affected you? Uh, you never know about these things until you see it in retrospect. And so in retrospect, I, I'm absolutely convinced that God's hand is on Connor. He's got a calling. It's going to go someplace. We don't know what. Uh, but what a thrill to be able to be part of that, uh, just step by step. And for me, it's a real faith builder to see God's hand at work in somebody's life. And what an exciting thing to be part of that. So how about you, Brian? Well, I think I give God the credit for the talents I've got, 
And after 48 years in the field, I'm not going back turning wrenches, but I'm happy to pass what I do know onto a young man who wants to take over because this technology is going to be around for the next 50 years. He's guaranteed a job. So Connor, how about you? How do you feel about this whole process? What, what has this meant for you in your personal growth, your relationship with Christ, uh, everything? Uh, well, this has meant that God is with me all the time and I can, I just need to trust in him and work hard for it. And um, that I couldn't have done this with these people and you need, you really need a community of people to help you go through stuff and that's really important and uh, give me Realize that I don't, I can't just keep this to myself. That I need to uh, spread it to other people who are looking into this. Great, thank you. Thank all of you. Appreciate you sharing your story with us. Fantastic. Uh, a coda to the story. A couple weeks ago, uh, the the chairman, uh, the CEO of Caterpillar Worldwide, was in church, and he got to meet Connor. And, and it was really fun to hear him say, I'm so glad to have a teammate like Connor on the, on the way up through the ranks. So it's amazing how God works, right? So we want to talk about, well, um, where are you in your story? Uh, if you're going to refresh your story, you have to know where are you? Where are you in your story? 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 Right? And then the next question really is, uh, what will it take for you to understand your story. Before I get there, though, I want to say um, uh, last service, our uh, uh, daughter, Lauren, and her husband, John, were here with their new adopted baby, Miles. They were here, they were here from Dallas. And when they decided that they were going to sort of do an unconventional thing, before starting a family, they wanted to adopt a child. And so the process, though, required that they write their story. They had to write a book, basically, about themselves, a, a narrative of who they are, so that these birth mothers around the country uh, could say, do, you know, to whom do I want to entrust my child? And they said it was such a transformational process. You can imagine, I mean, the amount of work it takes to do that. But imagine you doing that for you. Uh, it, it usually helps to have some big motivator. If you don't do this, you can't be part of the adoption process. But to see them here with the little, the little boy uh, uh, is, is the payoff. And they would say it was so neat to really take the time to not remember stuff we've been through, but to understand stuff we've been through. And so this is the whole point of, of the starting point of refreshing your story, is that do you understand your story? That's the first point of the morning. Do you understand your story? You might assume you know your story since it's your life. But I can tell you from experience, there have been lots of times that I, I realized I just didn't even understand my own story. Maybe you've had that experience where everybody around you is wrong all the time, consistently. And at some point, there was this moment of clarity, often assisted by those around you, or life circumstances, that caused you to have this blinding moment of insight, at this point of recognition that, hey, maybe I'm the problem, right? And all of a sudden, you start to understand a little bit of your own story. Or, or you're, you're in a place where uh, people say, man, you are so lucky. Everything turns out well for you until you start to realize, well, you know what? It's actually that when God brings people into my life to help me, I actually welcome them and listen to them. So I guess I've been lucky, but really what I've done is I've worked really hard and I've really taken advantage of the fact that there are people who want to come alongside me and help me 
do what I'm going to do. So understanding your story uh, is more than just having a story that you can point to. That's my life. It's, I get what my life means. It's a meaning question. So understanding is a work in progress. Uh, sometimes I, I've talked to people and I'll say, well, so tell me about you. Well, I'm, I'm divorced. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. When were you divorced? 30 years ago. Okay, well, why do you still introduce yourself as having gone through an experience called divorce? That's a traumatic experience, but haven't you done anything in the last 30 years? Oh, yeah, well, I've done all these things. Well, then why would you be stuck, in a sense, saying that's my primary identity? Do you understand your story? There's a story here that takes you way beyond that horrible situation. Oh, my gosh, yes, this, 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 and this, and this. So part of the problem and part of the opportunity in understanding our story is saying, will I bring my story to present? Will I bring my story to current? I might have gone through this experience, it doesn't adequately define or describe me. Or I'm in this situation, and I'm not gonna accept this as my, my entire identity, but it's something I'm dealing with right now. And that process of bringing to current your life story helps you then to, to look back and say, so do I understand the pattern? <clears throat> Maybe uh, you, you came from a very difficult family situation and you spent a lot of years being angry at, at your family, and then at one point you realize, oh my gosh, they did the best they could with what they had. They didn't have much by way of understanding how to do anything that would be called functional. And I was, a, in a sense, the recipient of all their dysfunction. But I look back now and I realize what else could they have done? Right? It's those sorts of insights. Uh, our choices, uh, the choices of other people that have impacted us, that start to get us to a place where we understand our story. And why is this important? Uh, because it helps us to uh, get to a place of clarity. So let me ask you this. Can you acknowledge and accept every part of your story. Can you acknowledge and accept every part of your story? Because God can. Can you? We live in a culture that is obsessed with image management. Uh, there's any number of people who are now scrupulously going through all their social media being sure no future employer will be able to understand some of the things they did. Uh, for a long time, there, uh, there, were, there were people saying, uh, I don't know why I didn't get the job. Well, I tell you why, because you gave them access to your social media, and they went on your, whatever it was, Instagram or Facebook at the time, or whatever you were using, and they said, that's not the person uh, uh, that we want on our team. And so we end up editing out. The problem with editing out and not acknowledging and accepting what you've been through, maybe something horrible was done to you. Maybe you've done some horrible things. In any case, until you can acknowledge those and say, yes, that was my experience. I accept that. I don't might not like it, I'm not proud of it, or I don't, I don't uh, approve of what was done to me. But I, I accept that. That is one of the starting points of owning who you are, where you are. Because why? That's where God meets us. Because God wants to help us understand not just the storyline, but the plot of our life. I want to make a distinction there. A story without a plot is just a series of events. Something like this. And this happened, and that happened, 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 on ad nauseum. You would never go to a movie like that. You would never read a book like that. Because if all you got was story, this and that, and this and that, and this and that, and then I went and did this, and I did that, you'd be, you'd be uh, miserable. Um, I, this is a little personal vignette. Um, uh, when I was a, a kid and, 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 and a young adult, at college age, I, I was in Ireland visiting my grandparents, and one of my sisters was with me, and we would jockey for position. We wanted, on a train or in a car or in a restaurant, we wanted to sit next to my grandfather, not my grandmother. Because my grandmother was, and this and that, and this and that, and this and that, and so Mr. M Mrs. McGillicley died, and you know, 
and you, it was just story, 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 and it made no sense, and you just sit there going, and you look at, I'd look at my sister, she'd look at me like, why are you not sitting here? Because my grandfather, if you said, well, so, granddad, what about this? He would, he would just give you these incredible insights that would make you feel like, I want to know more from this guy. A, a famous novelist, E.M. Forster, and maybe you've read some of his stuff, uh, Passion to India, it's that Room of the View, I think he wrote. He wrote all kinds of great stuff. He wrote a novel in the 30s called Aspects of the Novel. And um, when I was in graduate school, somebody said, you should read this, this book. So I found this, this dusty book in, written in the 30s in the, in the library. And I read it, and I was fascinated by it. Why? Because he was talking about the difference between story and plot. And one of the examples I remember was this. He said, you know, a story is the queen died. It's a fact. No context, no perspective. I don't know how I should feel about that. The queen died. Was that good or was that bad? Was it the evil queen when the house dropped on the, on the wicked witch and the Wizard of Oz? Were you not happy? You know, uh, kind of a thing. Uh, or were you deeply sad because, oh, my beloved queen. Uh, nobody's looking forward to the queen of England dying right now. The prospects for the succession are kind of dim. Um, but he said the queen died as a story. The queen died, and the king died of grief is a plot. It makes us curious. Oh my gosh, what kind of relationship must they have had? That she dies, that he dies of grief? I want to know more about the relationship this, between this king and this queen. Powerful, right? So, so this summer, uh, one, one of my hopes for me and for you is that we would refresh our stories by understanding the plot. And to get the plot, we have to ask questions. What does this mean to you? What's important to you? What, what is uh, the defining qualities that you want to possess in, in your life or you appreciate others? Uh, you heard Rand mention with Connor that they went through a thing called U-School. U-School uh, uh, was started about eight years ago by Sean Parr, who's uh, a member of our church. And Sean thought, well, you know, we have all these high school kids. He knew a bunch of high school kids. They'd go surfing with his son, Liam, and, and, and friends with his daughter, Annabelle. And, he said, you know, I travel around the country and the world talking to Fortune 100 leaders about their leadership and who they are and how they function and how they develop. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, why don't we talk to our high school kids about that? We send them to the camp. We send them to these great experiences with youth group or down to Mexico to build houses or habitat projects around San Diego. Do we actually ever walk them through who they really see themselves and what they want to do going forward? And so we, we ran this, this beta of that with high school kids in this church. And then he did one as kind of a con control group at Hoover High, inner city. Would this work also with the inner city or does this just, just work with affluent kids with big prospects? And as it turned out, it was magic. It was, and some of those kids now are in the marketplace that graduated from university. And to hear them, and I run into them, uh, and hear them tell their story about what new school did for them. Just a simple conversation around some significant questions. Uh, since then, U-School has kind of blossomed and become a whole force of nature. Uh, they, Scott Schimmel now runs it. They've helped Navy SEALs transition from the SEAL teams uh, into the rest of their life. NCAA uses it. It's used for you know, high school kids through adults at every age and stage. Powerful. They have a new thing called LifeScript. And the reason I'm telling you all this is I want you to go to the U-School website. And where it says free, check the box that says student. And you're going to get... Uh, uh, follow-up at some point. They're just they're transitioning from the beta to the, the full-blown uh, uh, process right now. So you're in the very early stages of this. 
they will get back to you and say, hey, here's the resources that might help you as you figure out the plot of your life. And they might not use the word plot, but they'll say, what's the script of your life? What's important to you? What are your values? And all this is compatible with your, your, your uh, development in relationships with friends, family, careers, and, and with Christ. Uh, so it's a powerful, powerful tool. I said, Scott, what, 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 are, you, what are you seeing as people do life, uh, do uh, life script and do youth school? He said, you know, the most interesting thing is the people that take it to heart and spend the time have massive insight and growth in their life. The people, which is 90% of us, who just look at it and go, that's too much work, don't. So one of the challenges for you and for me, I, I got everybody in my life group to reluctant, uh, to happily uh, to commit to it. <laughs> And, and so the idea is, it's not to be self-obsessed, it's to say, do I understand myself? If I don't understand myself, what is the deficit? Remember the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, Jesus said, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you, it's, if you don't understand yourself, how can you possibly love anybody else or care about anybody else? If these two men were just thinking about themselves, they wouldn't have had time for conquering. Let that sink in. As you want to understand your story, it's going to take some work to go to school on you. You might say, well, gosh, you know, uh, at this age and stage, what benefit is it? At every age and stage, there's benefit. Why? Because we ask throughout our life the same questions. You never stop asking the significant questions if you are interested and curious about life. Whether you're an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old, you're still asking the same questions. What is, what is life all about? What does life, my life mean? What brings me joy? What do I have to give other people a sense uh, that they uh, can do things they never thought possible, right? This is the power you saw from among these three guys. Okay, so understand your story is the first big point. Second point is this. Understand how your story fits with God's story. God's story intersecting with your story is where it all comes together. That's the ultimate anchoring in a plot. A larger story uh, than simply the story of your life. Uh, it's not so much that we read the Bible, it's that the Bible reads us. Let that sink in. When you read the Bible, you might think you're reading it and you're reading it critically. Well, do I believe this? Do I, do I accept this? But as you read it, authentically, honestly, openly, okay, God, if this is your word, what's going on here? What am I, what am I supposed to be learning here? What can I relate to here? You're gonna see a bunch of people with problems like yours dealing with or not dealing with the promises of God. And so the Bible reads us. It says that, the, we talked about this last week in restoring your, your refreshing your spirit. The, the word of God cuts right to the core of who we are. It reveals who we are. It tells us who we are, that we're beloved of God, that God loves us and wants us to experience life in and through him, to set us free for life in all its fullness. It also tells us that apart from him, we're lost. We can't get there from here. Very powerful when we start to uh, understand how God's story intersects with ours, and more importantly, how our story intersects with God's. And so only the Bible will reveal the true significance of your life. Everybody is, everybody's story is better when the through line is about God's redemptive love. That's when stories light up. When we start to experience in practical ways, applicable ways, of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's power, God's compassion in our life. Um, did you know the King David story? You've heard of King David. Uh, King David, I'll give you this short summary of it. Uh, born in Bethlehem, died in Jerusalem. That's pretty much it. 
for the summary, uh, there's a couple more details. He was a shepherd, a musician, uh, pretty good at a slingshot. Uh, in, the early, in his early 20s, he faced off with this literal giant. This is not just some you know, hyperbolic story in the Bible. Uh, there was a tribe of giants who lived near the, in the mountains between the coast and the interior of Israel. And so this gigantism ran in, in these generationally in, in, in this, in this uh, extended tribe of people. Goliath was part of that tribe. They're massive people, huge people. So if you ever see Andre the Giant, it's like, it's like that, right? And so he, uh, David faces off and kills uh, Goliath with a slingshot and for the time being saves Israel. And it's shocking, this young kid does this. King Saul, the king of Israel, the first king of Israel, was so impressed with that. Uh, it moved him so deeply, he spent the rest of his life trying to kill David. That's how appreciative he was of what he saw David do. Uh, because Samuel, the prophet, was saying, hey, by the way, you know, your time as king is up. You're so disregarded and disrespected and disobeyed God, he's going to raise up a new king. And all of a sudden, Saul thought, hmm, king, David, David, king, I'd like to get to know him better. And the problem, of course, was that Saul's son, Jonathan, and David were best friends. It didn't help either when Samuel said, the Lord has told me to go throughout Israel to look for the next king. And he comes upon David's family. David had seven brothers, all of these you know, incredibly accomplished, strapping guys you know, that looked like they had all the qualifications. And so the father brings them out and says, oh, here's my sons. And Samuel goes to the lion and he's saying, Lord, is this the guy, is this the guy, is this the guy? And none of them were the guy. And Samuel was going, wow, okay. And he says, hey, do you have any more sons? <laughs> seven. What do you mean, do I have any more sons? Well, yeah, I have a, I have a son. He's out with a sheep. He's just a kid. Well, can I see that son? So that son comes in, ah, oh, you're the one. You're the one who's anointed to be the next king of Israel. So this was David's story. Uh, he united Israel, but then, having done so many incredible things that we see in the Bible, he compromised it all in an illicit affair with Bathsheba. Not only that, but to have the, to cover up the pregnancy that resulted from that liaison. He made sure that he sent her husband Uriah out into battle where he knew he would be killed. And he thought he had gotten away with it. Because now that Uriah, oh, geez, so bad, bad news about your husband. Hey, let's get married. She becomes his wife. They're going to have a baby. But the prophet Nathan confronts David. He says, David, I've got something important I've got to talk to you about. What is it? Well, <clears throat> this guy had all these sheep. And a guest came to visit him. And because it's Mideastern hospitality, he had to prepare a feast for that guy. But he didn't want to use all, any of the sheep he had. So he went and found a little uh, family, a little hut with one baby lamb. He took that baby lamb, he slaughtered it and presented it to his friend, his guest, as a feast. David was outraged. He jumps in and goes, that's outrageous. That man should die. And Nathan said, you are that man. No, high, no hyperbole, right? No exaggeration necessary. Just, David, that's you. Here's the mirror. See who you are. See what you have become. He was telling David the plot. David, you're treating this as an event. I got, got rid of Uriah, good, check. Bathsheba's moved into the palace, check. Nobody knows, check. Uh, checkmate, the Lord knows. And so out of that came Psalm 51. So Nathan tells David his true story. Just like Samuel told David his true story. Here's who you are. 
Here's what the Lord is going to do in and through you. And so in, in Psalm 51, it's one of the most beautiful, powerful psalms written. And, and, and uh, oh, it's just moving. So read it later, but I want to give you a little excerpt. After, after, after asking for God's forgiveness and confessing his sin, Lord, I, I've, I've sinned against you ultimately. Cleanse me, redeem me, forgive me. He says this in verse 13. Then, having been restored by you, having had the joy of my salvation restored by you, being set right by you and reconciled to you, then I will teach transgressors, people like me, your ways. I'll use my story and leverage my story of your grace to reach them so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are, my, uh, who are God my Savior. And my story, my tongue, will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. I've got something to tell of your glory, your greatness, your grace in my life. See the power of that? If you've read most of the Psalms, you'll notice that a lot of them are written by David. And they're powerful. They're real. They're raw. He tells you and shares his story with you. If you read uh, 1st and 2nd Samuel, uh, read the Psalms, uh, read Chronicles, you're going to see a lot of this uh, detail about David's life. He's telling your story, really. So David's story is an example to us of how God works in and through imperfect people. You don't wait till you get your story just idealized and your image just right to then present it. You don't want to present your faux story to the world. Anytime you hear of somebody accomplishing something, you, you just know intuitively there's a story behind it. I wonder what the story is. Superficially, we'll say, oh, that guy was lucky or that guy was dishonest. And she was just, she married the right person or... You know, she really isn't all that smart, or he is not that talented. But when you start looking behind the scenes, you think, there is an incredible story. What can I learn from that story? And as you draw in close, you realize pretty much everybody's story touches on yours. And it evokes from you aspects of your own story. So the question is, um, if the most important part of your story is how you see and experience God, have you included him in your story? Perhaps you're sitting here today saying, well, I have doubts. I'm not sure I believe in God or I, I want to commit my life to him. Well, then, are you saying you don't want to explore the fullest extent of your story? Well, how do I know if it's true? You won't know it's true until you commit. But would you hate to find that you get to the end of your life and realize, I, 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 I didn't go where the story of my story was anchored and grounded. I missed my true story. So if you're sitting here today saying, I'm, I'm not sure I, 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 I sit with all this stuff. Well, then take a step to investigate. If it's just a rabbit trail, you can quickly uh, you know, correct and recover and move on. But if this is all of a sudden the road, that, the narrow road that leads to life, you don't want to miss it, right? Because you're going to then miss the story that you alone can tell of God's grace. That's the third point. If the first point is that understand your story, the second, understand God's story and your story. This third part is understand how to tell your story. Understand how to tell your story. Your life is no less significant than anyone in the Bible. Does that sound outrageous? Think about it. The whole Bible filled with all these incredibly impressive people and some not so impressive people. You and your life, your story is no less significant than anyone in the Bible. Let me give you some Bible to support that. 
the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, who knew Jesus intimately, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to build the church on you. You're the rock, Peter. Simon, you're going to be called uh, Peter, the rock. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Peter was one of the obvious drivers in the, in the early church. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is Mark writing down Peter's understanding of what he experienced with Jesus. So here's what Peter says in a letter to people who didn't know Jesus and didn't know Peter. That could be you and me. We fit that category. We, we've never known Jesus personally, face-to-face, -face, sitting there next to him, even though we know him by faith. You didn't know Peter, certainly, though you might have been in St. Peter's. It's a nice, nice place. But here's what he says. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Your story in Christ, no matter where you are in it, you're beginning it, you're at the end of it, you're in the middle of it somewhere. It's no less significant, precious, than Peter's story in Christ. Or Paul's story in Christ. If you had a, an audience with a Pope, and, and, and the Pope said, hey, tell me your story about you and Christ, and you, you finish your story, he would look at you, I can guarantee he would say, we share a common story. Wow, we have a lot in common different languages and cultures, but we share a common story, don't we? Had you met Mother Teresa, uh, if, if you'd met Billy Graham before he died, I'm just picking some people whose names are, are pretty well known, and, and you sat across from them and told them your story, and they would pretty much say, wow, we share a common story. Isn't that amazing? Peter goes on in another letter to say this, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. He's your highest priority. Be prepared to tell your story. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope within you. What's your story? And he says, do this with gentleness and respect. You see, your story is a significant personal testimony of God's grace. It's like bearing witness in a court of law. Tell us your story. Don't embellish it. Don't minimize it. Just tell us your story. Our story ultimately is not about us, though it includes us. Well, it's my story. Of course it's about me. No. I love the way uh, Rick Warren in that book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, made it, you know, written, I don't know, 20 years ago. The first line of the book is, it's not about you. It's not about you. Well, if it's not about me, who's in a bottle? It's about God. And because it's about God, it includes you. And at the time, at the point that it does become about you is because God is for you. And God is with you. And God is in you. And so this is the way Paul writes to the Corinthians. He had an amazing story. Three times in the, in the New Testament, he tells his story. One, the first time, Luke, the writer of Acts, that compilation of all these things that happened after Jesus' ascension into heaven and after the Holy Spirit was given to the church. Luke tells his story. But then Paul, at least in two other situations, uh, tells this long, involved version of his story. And then in his letters, he includes snippets of his story. So he's all about telling his story, but this is what he says. For what we preach, our story is not ourselves. It's not, oh, you gotta hear my story, it'll save you. Accept me into your life, and your, your life will be much better. No, he's saying our story is not ourselves. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Rand and Brian saw themselves as services, servants for Jesus' sake coming alongside Connor. Pretty neat, isn't it? 
They didn't spend all the time saying, you know, Connor, another great thing you should know about me. Every time they got together, it was, Connor, what do you need? Let's talk about your story. How do you tell your story in the interview? You know, powerful. And so we're guides using our expertise, time, and money to bless others. I didn't mention that, that David's uh, dad, his, his mom and dad, uh, were named Ruth and Boaz. Boaz's uh, mom was a woman named Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. And when spies came into Jericho to say, hey, we're, we're God's people. We're here to claim what is ours, the promised land. And she said, we've heard about you. What can I do to help you? Rahab was a really qualified guide. What? You're telling me that the, grand, the grandmother, uh, great-grandmother of David was a prostitute, and she's considered a guide? Yeah, right. David's son Solomon had other sons. Eventually, uh, a woman was born named Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus. Jesus is also related to David. So a guide is simply a person using their expertise, their time, their money to bless others. You can be a guide for others too. So here's what God did. Let me give you the structural description uh, in seven points, just to mention them. The structural perspective of what you heard Rand and Brian and Connor talk about. This is what happened. A person with a problem, a need, a goal, a dream. Who would that be? Connor meets a guide who possesses empathy and authority. Who would that be? Brian and Rand. Brian, 48 years as a diesel mechanic. Uh, to get to the point of interview and how to deal with leaders who are looking for the right qualities in a person, Rand, Harvard Business School, a McKinsey consultant. Could Connor have afforded to hire Rand as his guide? <laughs> Could he have hired Brian to be his guide? No. These two guys felt prompted by God to say, I'm, I want to be helpful to you. They didn't say, I'm your guide. They just said, I'm a friend. What can I do to help you? All right. So they possessed empathy, I care, and authority. I know what I'm talking about. Third, the guide gives them a plan. They said, hey, here's how you do an interview. Here's how you study and work through this workbook. The guide calls them to risk action. You know, you might study for a year and a half and fail at this. You ready for that? You might do all the work and be really good, but they just don't want you uh, on their team. Somebody else with more experience, perhaps, gets picked over you. You're ready for that. You can, you can fail at this. Uh, but then they, they call them to risk action, and they help them achieve success. They help them avert failure. And so think about that. A person with a problem meets a guide with an empathy and authority who gives them a plan, calls them, calls them to risk action, helps them achieve success, helps them avert failure. I've just described the plot of every movie you've ever seen. That's the plot of Star Wars. Literally, that's the plot of Star Wars. Luke... Uh, is somehow confused about the force within him, you know, or around him. And who does he bring into his life? Rand and Brian. <laughs> Obi-Wan and Yoda. Yoda and Obi-Wan. I don't know who is who in this case. But, uh, well, what, does he, what do they do? They give him a plan. Uh, they say, by the way, you could fail, but here's how you can do some things that might create success. Are you willing to take the risk? Do you see that this is the plot of your life? This is the plot of every book you'll ever read, every movie you ever see, every play that's ever worth watching. 
This is the heart of every story with a plot. And you just saw an example of it today. So you've had guys in your journey who were they? What was that like having them as your guy? Maybe your mom and dad, your grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends, your coach, teacher, youth leader. And for whom will you be a guide? Well, I'm not qualified. Don't discount yourself. You don't know how qualified you might be. Don't assume you're qualified, but assume that you might need to be available to people who need a guide and you don't even know what your guiding input will be until you are in that conversation. What you think you bring, you might not even be talking about. Powerful, think about that. Are you willing to really understand and tell the story God is writing in you so that you can not only enjoy that and benefit from it, but somebody else might enjoy and benefit from it? Let me leave you with this. Refresh your story and you will bless others through God's refreshing spirit. These guys never had a Bible study when they got together, but everything they did was centered in Christ. Think about that. Brian spends a year and a half, uh, one hour a week with Connor, and he's basically discipling him using a diesel manual. Rand is coaching Connor about how to deal with a very competitive field of people trying to get into this incredible program that's a partnership of Hawthorne and Caterpillar. And, and he's coaching him, but it's a discipling relationship. You see the power of this? So don't see your faith as some bifurcated thing. Your faith is an integrated aspect of who you are. Bring everything about who you are to the party, to the plot in your life. And you will refresh your story. You'll, you'll bless others with God's refreshing grace. The world needs more guides. Be one of them as you live your story for Christ. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be open to do that, to start praying about that? Lord, do I need a guide at this point in my life? What kind of guide do I need? Lord, can I be a guide? At this time in my life, what kind of guide can I be? This is the power of the body of Christ. One final thing, let me say. When, he, when you're reading this, uh, is the guide the hero in the story? No. The hero is the protagonist, the person with a problem, a goal, a vision, or whatever. Sitting in a church, if this is your church, are you a hero or a guide? The trouble with the church in America, for the most part, is everybody in the church thinks they're the hero. And that's why they don't care if anybody comes in and they don't go out of the way to reach them or greet them or, or, or disciple them. I'm busy being a hero. Are you, don't you understand how heroic I really am? We are not the primary audience of our church. The primary audience of our church are people who don't know Jesus yet. People don't care about Jesus or they've been burned by churches and they're scared and they're thinking, I don't know. You are a guide. You'll always need a guide, but you are a guide. You're a guide in training. If you're not, you're not growing or developing into your truest self, and your story is going to be really puny and thin with not much of a plot. Tell me about your story. Yeah, well, I just spent all my time making myself happy. Nice. Very well done. Nice night. You know, how'd that go for you? Kind of lonely, boring, but I'm really resentful because nobody seemed to recognize it, how awesome I am. Versus, you know what? I get up every day and I say, Lord, how do you want to use me? What commitments have I made? How do I fulfill those? What promises can I fulfill? What, what things should I be pushing out to take some risks about? And all of a sudden you say, man, my life is, is, is constantly filled with conflict and I've never felt more alive. God is building a story in me and through me I never thought possible. This is what God wants for you. Don't miss it. So Lord Jesus, I pray this for me, for my brothers and sisters here. 
I pray for each one here who doesn't know you yet, who's perhaps curious, or maybe even hostile. I pray, Lord, that you would overcome our defenses against you, that we would be open. We'd entrust ourselves to you. We'd find the life and the grace that gives us a sense of being full of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. As we continue our worship this morning, we're going to go to a time of tithing offering. This is for those who call LJCC their home. If you're our guest, feel no obligation to give. Just simply put that connect card in for that prayer request form, and we'd love to connect with you and pray for you. As we do that, you know, we're going to sing some songs that talk about maybe writing a better story or a different story. And so we want to welcome you to think about them, think about the lyrics, participate in them, and align yourself with the story of God. So let's just come forward and receive it.
situation and season of life is a firm foundation. Every story built on something else will at some point collapse. But the story of our lives is built on the foundation of him and his love and his heart for those outside of these walls this morning. Many of you have loved Jesus for a long time in this room. And there's such wealth of faith knowledge and experience. And it's time to share that. It's time to grab the Connors and Connor S's. I don't know what the female version of Connor is, but it's time to grab them and invite them into the story. It's time to grab peers around you and say, I'm forgetting the story. Help me remember. It's time to embrace the family of God to say, I'm forgetting that God is holy and altogether otherly, and it's become a checklist in my life. My relationship is stagnant with Him. I need to be spurred on to start a new story, to refresh that story. The kid going off to camp who comes back with the high, that for some of us that seems like a long time ago. Can we get back to that? What would God do in and through us? Don't you want that? Don't you want that? I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing one more song. This is a response. In view of God's mercy and his love, we respond by saying, here's my life. What could I say?
what is my next step with you? Have you accepted him into your life and said, Lord, I want a relationship with you? Are you taking that next step to understand his word by getting yourself a Bible? Go out there, we'll give you a Bible. You can read it and understand it. Uh, we have ways to help you grow in your knowledge of the Bible in community with others. All that, go on our website. There's lots of ways that we can resource you as you not only stand up, but you walk out in Jesus' name. If you want a prayer before you leave today, just go around the corner into our the lovely prayer garden, and there'll be somebody there to pray with you briefly. Uh, if you missed communion last week, uh, you can get Holy Communion out, out there served to you. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord give you his life one day at a time, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.